So what we thought we would do is we're going to give you a little taste of what a lesson is like, what a Monday night would look like and celebrate recovery. It's going to be in this room. It's going to have worship just like what we just had. And, um, and so I'm, uh, I'm super thankful. One of the things that they would do in this, we would read the eight principles or the 12 steps. So we're just going to do it. Y'all didn't know you was coming to celebrate recovery. Welcome to celebrate recovery. All right. All right. Give them a big welcome, Chris. That's right. Hey, it's going to be awesome. And like Jared said, one of the things that I've discovered as we've been getting ready for this is like all of a sudden, you know, when we say celebrate recovery, a lot of times the first thing we step into is um, substance abuse, alcohol, drugs, those kind of things. But really, this is for people with anger issues, with past hurts, people who need healed from, from, from just life in general, people who are trying to find a place. Uh, Jesus says, come and I will give you rest. It's for those people too. And so we're going to look at these eight steps, uh, these eight principles, and, and then we're going to look at the 12 steps. And so the road recovery. I realize, and, and I'm going to read them, and Bates going to uh, um, uh, read the Bible verse that goes with this, and this is unrehearsed. So it's okay if you can't say all the words you're at, because I was in the back going, Colossians, 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 not Colosseans. Because, you know, I read the Bible to myself, not out loud. But the first one is, I realize I'm not God. I admit that I'm powerless to control my tendencies, to do the wrong things, and that my life is unmanageable. Happy are those who know they are spiritually poor. Matthew 5, 3. Earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to Him, and that He has the power to help me recover. Happy are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Matthew 5, 4. Consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and control. Happy are the meek. Matthew 5, 5. Openly examine and confess my faults to myself, to God, and to someone I trust. Happy are the pure in heart. Matthew 5, 8. Voluntarily submit to every change God wants to make in my life and humbly ask Him to remove my character defects. Happy are those whose greatest desire is to do what God requires. Matthew 5 6. Evaluate all my relationships, offer forgiveness to those who have hurt me, and make amends for harm that I've done to others. Except when to do so would harm them or harm others. Happy are the merciful, Matthew 5, 7. Happy are the peacemakers, Matthew 5, 9. Reserve a daily time with God for self-examination, Bible reading, and prayer in order to know God and His will for my life and to gain the power to follow His will. I yield myself to God to be used to bring this good news to others, both to both by my example and by my words. Happy are those who are persecuted because they do what God requires. Matthew 5.10. And, and so here are the, the 12 steps. That was the eight principles. Here are the 12 steps. And, and, and again, it's going to have the Bible, uh, you know, the underlaying of that. Step one, 
We admitted that we are powerless over our addictions and our compulsive behaviors and that our lives had become unmanageable. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Romans seven eighteen. Step two. We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Philippians 2, 13. Step three. We made a decision to turn our wills and our lives over to the care of God. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Romans 12, 1. Step four. We made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Let us examine our ways and test them. Let us return to the Lord. Lamentations 3.40 Step 5. We admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. James 5.16 Step 6. We were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. James 4.10 Step 7. We humbly ask him to restore all our shortcomings. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1.19 Step eight, we made a list of all persons we had harmed and become willing to make amends to them all. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, Luke six thirty one. Step nine, we made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and they remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Matthew 5, 23, 24. Step 10. We continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Step 11. We sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and a power to carry that out. Let the message of Christ dwell in you richly. Colossians three sixteen. Step 12. Having had a spiritual experience as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to others and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritually should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you may also be tempted. Galatians 6.1 And so, that's the, the principles and the steps. Um, I've read through those several times, and every time I do, I go, man, if I get this one, you know, 
And so I invite you to not just hear these, um, but to, to come back to them. They're easily accessible um, online, um, and, and you, can, you can go through it. I also want to let you know that you are invited to be a part of this thing tomorrow night and every Monday night, that it's not just for them, but it's for me, and it's for you. It is a personal journey, um, no matter what your struggle is. And so one of the things I did was I wanted to invite Beck and, and some of her friends to come and play, play a song um, that is deeply personal to, to me and to her. So I'm going to take them just a second. Y'all thought we were going to have a drum duel. And we may. Oh, we got a couple announcements as you get ready. Um, so serve Sunday, mark your calendar, January 29th. Um, we'll be, uh, we'll probably meet here. We're still working on, like we're going we're gonna to do a lot of different projects. It's not like a couple, the last couple of times we've taken on a couple of major ones, but this one I think we're going to take on several little projects. We'll meet here and launch, have some worship together, a devotion together, and launch from here. And so that is January 29th. Um, so mark your calendars. That's a fun day. Under control, right? So that uh, sounds like what we're talking about today. So for the next four weeks, we're going to go back to Colossians. Uh, we kind of ended it there about Christmas. We didn't end it. We just quit, and then we did Christmas because you've got to do Christmas when it's Christmas. Um, but we're going to jump back in on chapter 3, and, uh, uh, and we're going to march through for a little while. And this is perfect timing. I mean, God's got this... Thing that we don't even understand because when we said we'll quit it and we'll come back to it we had no idea the rest of this was going to happen and unfold the way it did so isn't God awesome our uh, our elders are going to take up an offering and, and I just want you to know your offering goes to help support things like celebrate recovery and the counseling and the boxing gym and, and all those things Faith Life Market our youth our children all those things even, it even keeps the lights on here today uh, and so that's why I'm so excited about 2023 because together we're going to change this place. I'm going to say a prayer as they get ready to take this up. Like I said, Beck's going to sing a song. She's going to talk to you for a minute and she's going to sing a song. It's going to be an awesome time to be together. Father God, we thank you so much for all that you have done um, last year. But Father, we cannot wait to see what next year has for us. And not just for us as individuals, but for us as a group. I pray, Father, you use us in mighty ways. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Well, I thought the hardest thing I would do was sing this song, but then I had to read all those Bible verses on the fly. So that, that made this a little bit easier. But um, I think most of y'all know that I, we have a, a band and we play music. And I write songs about my life. And this is a song about loving someone in addiction, um, watching them make the choices that they make. Um, and living through that as somebody who loves them. Um,
Um, the, the reality is that, that addiction has touched each and every one of our lives, whether it's, um, whether it's directly, whether it's been in our family, uh, and that, was, that song was, was, um, was about losing someone, right, that's been an addiction, and some of us have been there. Early on in our church, we would have, um, I'm going to steal a music stand here just for a second. 
uh, early on in our church, we would have um, uh, people, the girls in the West Care program in the jail, they would come and they would have church with us. And after COVID, we've not got to do that anymore. But there were several times we got to meet several of those and, and join them in their, their journey uh, post-recovery and out of jail. And we know the, the barriers and the hurdles that come with that. And I just believe that that Jesus gives us hope for eternity, and the church should give people hope in the present. And uh, so we tried to be the hands and feet of Jesus to as many of those as we could, and we saw them walk into, I got lots of stories of success, uh, but, but also I have stories of Hillary who moved back to Moorhead, and they found OD'd a week later and died, and she'd been here in our church weeks in a row, weeks, several times, we knew her by name. And, um, and, and so you know that story. You've seen it either close in your family or in the community. We, 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 we sometimes want to uh, um, deny it. We want to deny that it's there in our own life or in our family or even around us. We try to think everything's perfect, and it's just really not. And, and so what, what I want to do today is I, I'm going to open up just a little bit here on the lesson that is going to be lesson one tomorrow night. Uh, and, and the name of it is Denial. That is the name of, of the first lesson, the first step. Um, I, I want you to hear first, before we get into that, i got just a little short video here um, from Johnny Baker. Celebrate Recovery was started in Saddleback Church uh, in California. You may have heard of Saddleback Church. You ever heard of the book Purpose Driven Life? All right, the author of that book, I just forgot his name. Rick Warren, Rick Warren is the pastor of Saddleback. Uh, Johnny Baker was a pastor there, um, actually lived through life. You need to go look him up and hear his story. He was an alcoholic, and, and he started this program called Celebrate Recovery, wrote it down like, uh, he said, a concise 13-page document <laughs> on his outline of what he thought Celebrate Recovery could be, and he gave it to Rick Warren, and Rick Warren said, let's go. All right, fast forward 15, 20 years later, it's all over the country, all over the globe, franchised out in different communities, changing thousands, hundreds of thousands of people's lives because it's centered on Christ. This is the power behind this program. Here's a little bit from Johnny Baker who, who, who kind of designed this program. I just want you to hear from him first. We often talk about Celebrate Recovery being for anybody who struggles with a hurt, hang up, or habit. So whether you're somebody who was hurt as a child and you're still dealing with those issues, or you've got people pleasing hang ups and things that keep you stuck in relationships, or you're addicted to something, food, sex, alcohol, whatever it is, that Celebrate Recovery is really for anybody. In fact, that's the truth. Celebrate Recovery is for all of us because we've all been hurt and we've all hurt other people. We've all got things in our lives that keep us stuck and keep us frozen, things we wish we didn't deal with. And for many of us, we have these addiction issues that also just rob us of any joy or peace that we have in our life. But you know, there's another group of people that we call dual diagnosis. And this is somebody who struggles with an issue in Celebrate Recovery, but they also have a mental health issue. And this is somebody who's got depression and this depression leads them to self-medicate or somebody who's got suicidal thoughts and they also self-medicate or whatever that issue is. And so with Celebrate Recovery, really, it's part of a, a process that can help anybody, but there's so, there sometimes where we need a little more. 
Maybe we need to be going to a church counselor or a professional counselor who can prescribe us medicine. Maybe we need to be in a support group where we work through something that's going on in our lives while we work through Celebrate Recovery. The thing about Celebrate Recovery is that it's a biblical program and it's got eight principles that lead us from one place to the next place over one day at a time after one day at a time. So we begin where we realize that we're not God. We come out of denial. We face our fears. We face the problems that have keeping us stuck. We turn our lives over to Jesus. We do things like taking a moral inventory of our lives and we look at all the things that we've done have been done to us to help us come out of that. We talk to other people about what's happening. Then at the end, we serve other people because we believe that God uses our pain so that we can help other people when they go through pain. And so what we really wanna do is just tell you about this ministry, this place where you can come and you can find healing no matter what's going on in your life. We have some people that have gone through Celebrate Recovery for years that have dealt with issues like anxiety and they wake up every morning in a cold sweat and they just look at their day and they think, how am I gonna get through today? Well, by going to a counselor and by working the principles and steps of recovery, they're able to find day-by-day freedom over that issue. We have other people who are severely depressed and they also need to find a way out. There's people like me who struggle with anxiety and am a recovering alcoholic. And I know that when I'm hurting, I medicate. Now, I haven't medicated with alcohol for over a decade, but I can find anything, whether it's working out or whether it's you know, spending money or anything, just give it to me and I will overdo it. And so we find that we've got these issues and what we need to do is we come clean about it. We talk to each other about it. We talk to God about it. We allow him to work in our lives and to find the thing that's really causing us pain. You know, the reality of it is, is that whatever we're doing tends to be a symptom. We think I need to come to recovery because I drink too much or I'm online too much or I spend too much money. And while that's true, we need to get out that simple behavior. We need to root it out. The truth is, is that often the reason we're doing those things are buried deeper inside of us. And so that's what recovery allows us to do. It allows us to find that, that pain that's in our lives, that's keeping us frozen, keeping us stuck. And so that's all about Celebrate Recovery. So part of our hope here and vision at New Beginnings is to help our neighbors, our community experience Jesus in real and relevant ways. We, we spent some time last year in a series called about, about real community, and, and, and we learned through that that uh, man, us pretending and putting on a false face and a front of self-righteousness is not transformational. What is transformational in a community are individuals who get real about their brokenness and need for Jesus and get real with each other and live in real community and say, man, Jesus is my only hope. He's our only hope. We put all our hope and strength and, 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 and dreams in him and not in ourselves. And so we've got to be real. That is what this is about. We've got to be real about ourselves and about our situation um, and, uh, and I, I think back about Hillary and I think, did we do enough? I think about the next Hillary that if they, they get out and they know there's a celebrate recovery here on Monday night and they get in a, a real community where they can be honest and walk through the door and say, Hey, I've been on drugs my entire life, been clean a week and people celebrate or they walk through the door and they say, I'm addicted right now. We say, man, I'm so sorry. Let me help you. Like, there's no judgment. There's, like, let's be real about this. And let's make Jesus real and relevant by being his hands and feet. If they walked up to Jesus, what would he say? I think about that. First lesson of CR 
Celebrate recovery. Lesson one, denial. I said that. I'm going to walk through just a couple things real quick and then get Legina up. One CR is a journey. Celebrate recovery is a journey. I want you to ask yourself two questions right now. I don't want you, I want you to just journey out of, oh, I'm here seeing what they're going to do tomorrow night. I want you to journey into, I'm here right now, and it's not a mistake. I want you to hear these questions. Am I going to let my past failures prevent me from taking this journey? Second question, am I afraid to change, or what are my fears of the future? Am I afraid to change. Hebrews uh, 12.1, we find that some things that can hold us up of stepping into change. Uh, 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 one is failures from the past. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance or patience the race that God has set before us. There's two things out of that, that verse I want you to, to get. One is that you have purpose, that there's a particular race, a specific thing in your future that God has for you to do. He says, run the race that's set before you. There's a very specific thing. You've got purpose. There's a particular race set before you. In order to run it full strength, we rely on Jesus, but we also have some self-responsibility. And this is the rider road. We find not only do we have a race to run, but the second thing we see is that we've got to be willing to get rid of all the unnecessary baggage, the past failures, the things that keep you stuck, the things that tell you, make you feel like you're not good enough, uh, the, the things that bring up shame and guilt in your life, the things that make you start thinking, I've been hurt so deeply, I've got so much shame, and if, if they really knew me, if they knew me at home, or if they spent a real week in my life, or if they got in my head and saw my thoughts, man, the, the, the devil puts these lies in there. If they really knew me, nobody would love me. They wouldn't shake my hand when I got to church. If they really knew. And see, the, the devil puts those lies in you head to keep you from stepping forward and running the race that is set before you. Some of you have been hurt deeply as a child, uh, uh, abused. You've, been, you've experienced something in your adult life, some type of trauma. Someone's wronged you. Someone's done something to you that's hurt you deeply. You're carrying it. You're carrying guilt over something you did wrong or you did to somebody or, or some addiction you got involved in or you're carrying that guilt. You're beating yourself up over it. You think that no one could ever forgive you for the terrible things that you've done, but here's the important thing. You're wrong. God can. God does and will, and it's the reason he went to the cross. The reason is because you are not alone in feeling that way. It's everybody in here. Your neighbor feels that way. We've all missed We have all sinned to come short of the glory of God. We all missed the mark. Like we missed it. Maybe y'all missed it worse than me. I missed it worse than a bunch of you. It doesn't matter. We missed it. <laughs> we missed the mark at the feet of Jesus, the feet of the cross. We're all equal. We need him just as much as the next person. So you're wrong. That's why Jesus went to the cross for our sins, because you couldn't live up to it. You can't do it. Man, if, if you could go to church enough, wear the right clothes enough, say the right things enough, be the right way enough, have the right relationships enough, live the right life enough, there would be no reason for Jesus to have ever come for Christmas. 
There'd been no reason for a cross. Like if we want to get bent up on self-righteousness and think we can do it, then what's the point of Jesus? Why do we even talk about him? The reality is we need him. And he's open to give it. He knows everything you've ever done. He knows everything you've ever experienced. I mean, Paul had the, as much uh, regret about this as anybody. He participated in Stephen's murder. He murdered Christians. Philippians 3.13, though, he said, No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it. And I focus on this one thing. I forget the past. I'm forgetting the past, and I'm looking forward to what lies ahead. Bottom line, if you want to be free from your past hurts, hang-ups, and habits, you've got to deal with your past bitterness and guilt once. And for all, Isaiah 43.18 says, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. It doesn't mean... Ignore the past. It means learn from it. It means offer forgiveness. It means make amends and then release it. Let it go. We've all stumbled over a hurt, hang-up, or habit, but the race isn't over yet. This is a line directly from the lesson. God isn't interested in how we started, but how we finish the race. So you... You think you can't be forgiven, you got failures from the past, or you're afraid of the future. You may worry about your future and be afraid to change. We all worry over things we can't control, and we know worrying is a lack of trust in God. Some deep truth found in Hebrews 13, 6 says, So we can say with confidence, The Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? You may be afraid of things like this. What will happen if I give recovery a chance? What if I really try to change? What will I be who I am? I've always been this. It's I've identified myself with this. I've labeled myself as this. And if anybody sees me trying to change, all those friends and people will be like, that's not who he is. I know who he really is or she really is. Or you might say, I'm afraid I'll fail. You know, I'm going to get into this, and then, then I, I'm not going to be able to succeed in it. So we're afraid to even try to step into a new way of living and trusting in Jesus because we're afraid we're going to, afraid we're going to fail. You may have been abusing alcohol, prescription drugs, or food, and you think, what am I going to do without those things? I've become secure in these things. This is what I go to. It's what I run to. You may be enabling someone in a dysfunctional relationship for years. Perhaps you wonder, what if I change and my alcoholic husband gets mad at me? I want to just say this. I said it earlier. You're not here by mistake today. These things that we all think somebody else needs to hear, Romans 2, Paul speaks directly into the heart of that. And he says, what, why are you talking about those people? You do the same things speaks directly into the church and believers. So said, don't get so self-righteous. Put yourself at the foot of the cross. This place is full of changed lives. We're going to see more changed lives through Celebrate Recovery. I'm so excited about what God's going to do. I don't want you to let your past failures, your fear of the future... Stop from giving this a try. Like, if you want to come to this, you should come. And if you miss one, it's okay. If there's a Monday morning, you wake up, and like, man, this week stinks. I don't want to do it. Anybody been there? Come Monday night. Just show up. It doesn't matter what lesson they're on. If you miss it, like, you can show up any time. Come be with real people. It'll probably be more real on Monday night than Sunday morning. Can I be honest for just a second? 
Come Monday nights and see what God can do in your life when you pull off the mask of denial and you get real. And we look at principle one. It says, realize I'm not God. I admit that I'm powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing and that my life is unmanageable. I'm going to find happiness when I realize I'm spiritually poor, when I have a deficit and I need God. Step one, I'm going to admit that I'm powerless over my addictions and compulsive behaviors, that our lives have become unmanageable. He said, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. I ask you this morning, are you wearing the mask of denial? You're being fake about some things. Have you lied to yourself? Uh, deny that your family had problems or that you had problems. The comments that sound something like this. Can we just stop talking about this? Talking only makes it worse. Or comments like this. Billy, if we don't talk about it, it'll go away. Or honey, let's pretend that it didn't really happen. Let's just move on. Or if I tell her that it hurts me when she says that, I'm afraid she will leave me. Or he doesn't drink that much. Or it really doesn't hurt when he does that. I'm fine. Or my, we might say, Paul drinks more than I do. <laughs> All right? Let's, let's put us on the, the... Let's compare to somebody that's just worse than us. Man, we love doing that. It makes us feel so good. I eat because you make me so mad. If you didn't nag me all the time, I wouldn't. Look, honey, I've got a tough job. I work hard. I need a few drinks to relax. It doesn't mean that I have a problem. Jeremiah 6.14 says, They address the wound of my people as though it were not serious. And what he was, what he was really saying is, you cannot heal a wound by saying it's not there. You cannot heal a wound by saying it's not there. I'm going to invite Legina to come up right now, and I, I, we were going to sit here and talk and do stuff. I don't know. It went a different direction. I'm sorry. But Legina, come on up. I want her, Give her a big hand. Yeah, give her one of those mics. We're going to stand here and talk now for just a second. We won't do the chairs. I don't want to keep you all too long. We've been praying about Celebrate Recovery. We've been involved in addiction ministry for seven years since we started. We've been in it. We've done it. There are people sitting here right now. You've called me when your kids were on heroin. Okay? We got them into treatment. We helped. This is the church being real and helping. And uh, it wasn't many months ago, Legina started showing up at church. Actually, years ago, Waylon and Grace Nelson. When they started coming here, Waylon used to sing on the worship team, and he'll be back. Just, you know, keep, keep working on him. <laughs> we love him. Uh, but he starts saying, have you met Legina? She leads Celebrate Recovery and Presbyterian. He's like, no, I've never met her, but I'd love to. And, um, and, and then Legina started showing up here six months ago, maybe, or so. And, um, and, it, and we started talking, and, and you can kind of share what God was stirring in your heart at that time, maybe. Like Jared said, I was going to Prestonsburg for like seven years, I guess it has been. And the pastor there had started to celebrate recovery, something that was on their hearts for years. But just at the right time, God moved in and made it happen. So he picked me, and there was like 13 others as a leadership group. 
And little by little, as you do the steps, because to become a leader, you have to work every step. And there's 12 steps, but there's actually 25 lessons. So it takes almost a year to go through the whole program to be a leader. So in that time, it's hard. You know, denial is the first thing. So I was like, well, I've been clean for 18 years. I've struggled with cocaine substance abuse. Um, so it's been 18 years since I had any kind of addiction. So, you know, I've already laid that down at the cross. God didn't save me. I've been saved for 18 years and filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues and everything. So ain't nothing wrong with me. <laughs> so I was like, what can I give to celebrate recovery? I mean, I had nothing to give them, you know, because yeah. it was for them. I was not them anymore. You know, I'm over here with the religious group, you know. I'm not over there anymore. So a dear friend of mine sat me down. And he's like, Legina, Legina, Legina. You are a hot mess. <laughs> you have so many issues. You have control. You have control issues. And he kept repeating, you have control. But then he went on to, I'm judgmental, and I'm kind of self-righteous. He went through all these things, and I was like, how dare he? You know? <laughs> and so I went to the first meeting, and I started working the steps, and I went through the denial. And I'm like, Lord Jesus, what is wrong with me? You know, yeah, I'm saved, but, man, I'm so messed up. And I am a hot mess, you know, and I do battle with control, and I have resentments with my family. That goes way back that I did not want to go through. I didn't want to do the inventory, which is another step. And once I started digging into that, man, I just, I'm a compulsive shopper, I'm a compulsive eater. You know, there's a whole lot of things that God keeps revealing to me. I've worked the steps three times now, because in the leadership, you kind of work the programs with other people, and... I guess I kept getting stuck because God kept showing me different things was wrong with me. So I had to keep leading these groups. But he keeps revealing to me what's going on with me. And I just had a desire to come back to Pikeville. I did that four years in Prestonsburg. And I was like, you know, I'm giving out all of this to these people here. But my community is in Pikeville. So God's like, you go home and you talk about it and you see what happens. And it wasn't, like you said, the first meeting, um, Waylon and we were here in church the first night. And I came the first Sunday I came and he introduced me to Jared. And he's like, yes, I want to do and it's just like everything after that, everybody just keeps coming in. And it's not me. God just opened the doors for everything to happen. It's amazing. There's been several uh, Celebrate Recovery. Barry Chaney, you all may remember Barry Chaney and Kelsey Friend that's uh, a, a member here at the church. Worked years ago and got a Celebrate Recovery started for well, a short time. Well, I did time. that as well with them. Yeah. When I first moved back to Pikeville. Yep, did that with them. So they, they were working on it then. and Lifeline it. it yep. And then, uh, and then Bridge of Hope Ministries up around Robinson Creek. Is that right? Man, I, I, when I get south of Pikeville, I can't tell what's what. Robinson Creek, Virgie, I, I get lost. I don't know which is which. But Robinson Creek, Bridge of Hope Ministries. Yeah. And, um, and they were doing Celebrate Recovery up until COVID. Right. And they were doing it in the jail and had a very active program and had not restarted it. So you have to have trained leaders who have gone through all 25 lessons before they can lead a class. Well, Bridge of Hope Ministries has stepped in and partnered with us. We have five leaders now who can lead the class getting started from day one. That's like a miracle. miracle. It, is. <laughs> it is so much work to get this started. And when the genius said, man, I felt God calling me home to Pikeville, to this area. Uh, if you get the blue thing out on the back of the thing, the back of our chairs where you can leave a prayer request or say you want to volunteer, it says "Welcome Home." I mean, this is God's people is where we belong, and um, and we've been praying about Celebrate Recovery. She said, "I want to start Celebrate Recovery." I feel God. I said, "Okay, you need space. You need whatever." Our elders were like, "What do you need? We want to do it." This is. It kind of reminded me of when I was reading this story when Johnny Baker went to. 
went and said, hey, I got this idea. Like our, our hope is to fuel what God has in your heart and the call that has in your life and unleash it. I can't, listen, I'm just a guy that gets up here and talks about the most incredible words that were ever written every Sunday. You all, the power of 150 or 200, 300 people living out their purpose in your everyday life in the classroom, in the hospital, and your families is where transformation happens and so this is one of those things that she was feeling called to and we've just stepped in and tried to get out of the way honestly and and let and support her administratively and planning and so we got 25 volunteers now we've planned out for this month it's every monday night until forever Mm -hmm. till jesus comes back okay that's when it's over put that in the calendar when i made it a repeating event um and so i want you to anything else you want to share that's on your heart before we go through these last uh, uh, the denial, uh, um, the final thoughts on denial. You, I'm going to let you read these for us. Okay, I just want to thank everybody that's volunteering and for those whose hearts are beating today because you've heard this for the first time and I welcome you aboard with us. And it's not me. I, they keep saying, you're like, I'm not. You know, this is God's thing. And so many people, not just from this church, are jumping on board. With Absolutely. You just opened up gates. All right, so the, so the first night when you come in, you receive with the paper. That's what you get every night when you come to the meetings, every Monday. And it has the acrostics on them. So each letter of the lesson, like denial, each letter represents something. So the leader would come up, and they would go over each letter and explain in their own ways and in the scriptures of what that means. So in denial, the D stands for disables our feelings. And it says, by repressing our feelings, we freeze our emotions understanding and feeling our feelings is freedom so we have to feel that so i'm not going to go over the lesson since it's like tomorrow is not right right yeah that's fine so the scripture is they promise they promised them freedom while they were themselves slaves of destructive habits for we are slaves of anything that has conquered us that's in second peter 2 and 19. the e stands for energy lost a side effect of our denial is anxiety. Anxiety causes us to waste precious energy running from our past and worrying about and dreading the future. It is only in the present today where positive change can occur. He frees the prisoners. He lifts the burdens from those bent down beneath their loads. That's in Psalms 146, 7 through 8. We also say let go and let God. Negates growth. We are as sick as our secrets. We cannot grow in recovery until we are ready to step out of our denial into the truth. They cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he rescued them. He led them from darkness and shadows of death and snapped their chains. That's Psalms 107, 13. The I stands for isolates us from God. It also isolates us from others, from like our family and our friends. God's light shines on the truth. Our denial keeps us in the dark. The scripture is God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sins. That's 1 John 1 and 5 through 7. Eliates us from our relationships. 
that now tells us we are getting away with it. We think no one else knows, but they do. <laughs> so what is the answer? The scripture on that is Ephesians 4, 25. Stop lying to each other. Tell the truth, for we are parts of each other, and when we lie to each other, we are hurting ourselves. So, and I always say, you know, to thyself be true. To thy own self be true. You can lie to everybody else, and some people won't know, but you know the truth. The L, which is the last letter, stands for lengthens the pain. We have the false belief that denial protects us from our pain. In reality, denial allows our pain to fester and grow and turn into shame and guilt. The scripture, God's promise, I will give you back your health again and heal your wounds. That's from Jeremiah 30 and 17. So that's denial. I want to, I'm going to get you to do one more thing before you step down. Uh, what you, the invitation is to step out of your denial, to get real right now in this moment with yourself, uh, with God. It's not easy. Taking off the mask is hard. Uh, everything inside of you will say, don't do it. Don't surrender. Don't give in. Don't let them know. Don't let God know. And yet, what she just said, people know. God knows for sure. I want you to know it's safe here at New Beginnings. It's safe at Celebrate Recovery. This is the final line in the lesson. I didn't think I could sum it up any better way. It says, step out of your denial so you can step into Jesus' unconditional love and grace and begin your healing journey of recovery. I'm going to ask you to stand up. You're going to lead us in the serenity prayer. Can you do that? We got it up there, yep. We're going to say this together, then we're going to do a song of worship together. We'll get the worship team on up here. And everybody repeat after it's on the serenity, if it's on the screen. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. Taking, as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. <laughs>